This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. The legal information presented on In Legal Terms is meant to provide general information about the topics discussed and is not necessarily the opinion of Mississippi Public Broadcasting. The information conveyed does not create any type of attorney-client relationship. Please consult an attorney provider before making any decisions about your specific legal questions. Welcome to In Legal Terms from MPB Think Radio, the show all about you and your rights. I'm Liz Gill, and I'm with Professor Richard Gershon of the University of Mississippi School of Law. Hello, Professor Gershon. Good morning, Liz. It's great to be here. And, you know, when the Mississippi legislature is in session, they're dealing with, uh, you know, drugs, alcohol, and sex, typically. And and we do have some bills related to those this year. But it's really great to have uh, Mississippi Mississippi Public Broadcasting's own Desiree Frazier on the show today. She is the uh, uh, primary uh, MPB reporter in the legislature, and uh, she will be talking to us about the legislation this year. So good morning, Desiree. Thanks for joining us. Good morning. Good to be with you. Would you tell us a little bit about your background and and how you came to cover the legislature? Um, Well, I've worked in television and TV news for about 20 years. Um, I was an anchor reporter at WAPT in Jackson from 2001 to 2008. Um, I decided to do some other things, some um, public relations work, did some teaching, and then Um, and had left Mississippi for a bit and then came back and joined uh, Mississippi Public Broadcasting in 2015. So I am the senior reporter. Well, it's great to have you. And and so, yeah, let's talk talk about the legislature. When when did the 2021 legislative uh, session start and and when's it scheduled in? Well, it began Tuesday, January 5th, and it's scheduled in Saturday, April 4th. Sometimes they end a little bit sooner. Um, but, you know, last year with everything that was going on with COVID, there were stops and starts. But that's the plan this time. And um, they haven't had any stops or starts. So we anticipate April 4th at the latest. And, um, yeah, we'll, we'll be talking about specific bills today. but. How is the legislature actually meeting during COVID? You mentioned COVID. I mean, are they, have they been meeting in person? Have they been trying to social distance? Has there been any uh, measure taken? Well, yes, they have been meeting in person. They have been social distancing and wearing masks. Um, the Lieutenant Governor, um, Delbert Hoseman, was looking to send everyone home at the beginning of the session after they met. Um, he wanted to handle uh, certain bills that need to get out right away, let everybody go home for a bit and then come back because if you recall, the case count was pretty high, but um, the Speaker of the House, Philip Gunn, wanted to continue with the session and said everyone is working, so they should be working too. Um, There was a period um, where some lawmakers contracted COVID um, and legislators stayed in their office, they social distanced, they did uh, some, work on Zoom, and then some of the committee mini rooms have cameras, so uh, they streamed uh, the the meetings, and now they're meeting in their respective chambers. Right now, uh, some wear masks, some don't. Um, That was prior to the governor's announcement last week. They are no longer mandated. 
We're talking today about the legislation currently going on through Mississippi's legislature. You can send us an email. Our address is legalterms at mpbonline.org. I'm excited to be working with my MPB co-worker, Desiree Frazier, from our news department, and she's a part of In Legal Terms today. It is great to have her on today. And, and Desiree, we, we've had, you mentioned Lieutenant Governor uh, Hoseman uh, and how he did have COVID, and, and fortunately he is, is doing much better. And uh, we had him on the show after that. And can you t- talk a little bit what, I mean, people I think are confused about what role the Lieutenant Governor uh, plays in the legislative process? Well, um, the lieutenant governor is the second highest ranking state official. He's right behind the governor. Um, he is president of the Senate, and he or she can serve for two consecutive terms. And uh, before the session starts, well, and during the session, I should say, he, along with uh, Speaker Gunn, um, look at bills and determine um, what's going to uh, be coming up, so to speak, what bills are going to um, advance. And so they have a lot of say in, in what gets discussed in terms of bills. They set their priorities um, accordingly and then move forward with the bills that um, they put into committees and that kind of thing. Um, They select heads of committees. They appoint people to heads of committees. They assign committee assignments. So it's managing uh, the chamber. The lieutenant governor manages his chamber. The House Speaker manages his chamber. And we have a call to go to this morning. Let's go uh, and speak with John from Madison. John, thanks for being part of In Legal Terms today. What's your comment or question? I'm sorry, John, what's your comment or question? Uh, yeah, I've, I've known there's a lot of uh, what I'd call social bills going through the legislature now. And, and I have I've heard and read where a lot of those are developed and written by special interest groups, and they just find a legislator to introduce them. And I was wondering how many of those bills that are going through our uh, legislature now were uh, thought up by Mississippians and written by Mississippians or, or just cookie cutters from uh, from other groups. Wow, John, that is a very interesting question. I know just last week we had individuals from the Mississippi School of Law, the Center for Air and Space, and they were talking about the drone legislation, and they contributed some information to educate lawmakers to let people know about uh, what drone law should be or could be. Desiree, is there any way to know where an idea or the meets of a bill come from? Is there a way to know if a a legislator originated it or if it was passed to him from a a social group or from an authoritative body who's done research? That would take research. Um, Sometimes... It will come out in the midst of the um, discussions back and forth, because if you have a bill that uh, there are critics of that bill, 
they are familiar with what um, is shopped around to different legislators across the country, state legislators. And so they will be quick to say, this is a bill that was written by a particular organization and they're sending it to different state legislatures to introduce it. Um, that's probably the most obvious way you would know. Other than that, it probably would take some research. I mean, there's some 2,000 bills they're looking at this session. So if an individual, John, if you were con uh, curious about a specific piece of legislation, you just have to do that one by one. Is that right, Desiree? I would think so, yes. I mean, I, there's off the top of my head, there would be no way to just say, yeah, this bill came from this group. I mean, that takes research. Thanks, and John. We appreciate you calling in today. Sorry, Liz, it's a great question, John. And, and I, I, I think in some ways, Desiree, it, it's probably a catch-22 because we want people, us individuals, to be able to give our input into proposed legislation because we want our legislators to, to really have an idea of what people are thinking. We want people like our, our Center for Air and Space Law to, to be involved in, uh, in drone legislation because they're the experts. But then you, if you start getting outside pressure with money, uh, to get in a result that may not be in the best interest of Mississippians, that you know that can kind of tilt tilt things. So it's it's it, it's hard to know when that process when uh, when input is good and when is not good. Well, uh, you do expect legislators to do research. I mean, they introduce bills, and you will hear them say that they met uh, with different constituencies involving a particular topic, and um, based upon what was shared with them it helped them craft a bill that would address that issue where it would garner support. So um, you have that going on as well, um, which is a little different than having a quote-unquote um, form bill that's the same and is um, sent to different state legislators where it is encouraged to be introduced, and it's the same everywhere. Um, legislators in the first instance are going to customize the bill. You can send us an email to ask a question. Our address is legalterms at mpbonline.org. We're discussing possible laws that the current Mississippi legislators are discussing. Desiree Frazier from MPB News is our guest. Where can you read the bills that are up for votes and debates? I'll tell you next. You're listening to In Legal Terms on MPB Think Radio. contractor ever tell you of the price of something and it sounds so high you think eh, maybe i'll try it myself some jobs just aren't that difficult and yes you can do it if you want to find out how to do those things listen to fix it 101 podcast everywhere
This is In Legal Terms on MPB Think Radio. Not everyone has a chance to listen to our whole show live. So if you've missed any of our program, you can listen at inlegalterms.mpbonline.org. It's also available on the MPB Public Media app, as are all our local shows. I'm Liz Gill here with Professor Richard Gershon from the University of Mississippi School of Law. The website that the legislature has bills that are being discussed, it's very easy to remember, legislature.ms.gov. And when you go there, it also has links to the YouTube channel where you can watch committee live streams. You can even read about the history of our capital. This morning, we're talking about the proposed legislation being considered by our Mississippi representatives and senators with our guest, MPB News legislative reporter, Desiree Frazier. Desiree, one of the proposals that is being discussed is the state income tax. How likely is it that the state income tax will be repealed? Mm, um, Well, that's an ongoing issue right now. Uh, The income tax bill, um, um, House Speaker Philip Gunn introduced that piece of legislation, and uh, the benefit, it was argued, is that states who have eliminated the income tax are seeing growth. The issue for Mississippi is just like other states, where is the money that you lose from income tax coming from? By eliminating the income tax bill, a single person making $50,000 or less and a couple making $100,000 or less would immediately see their income tax eliminated. The bill says that it will reduce the grocery tax over time from 7% to 3.5%, but the sales tax would increase for items like cigarettes, clothing, and cars from 7% to 9.5% because there is approximately a $1.9 billion hole to fill. So uh, Lieutenant Governor Delbert Holzman, the House passed the bill. Lieutenant Governor Delbert Holzman has concerns about it, which he expressed. Um, His concerns are that it will have unintended consequences. And because the bill um, was introduced and they haven't had a lot of time to research it, this legislative session may not be the time to try and pass something that's going to overhaul the system. Um, He has an accounting firm and also the state economists researching the bill to kind of model out how it would affect Mississippians in different segments of the um, business community. Um, The Agriculture and Commerce Commissioner, Andy Gibson, has come out against the bill because it would raise the cost uh, of farmers' equipment and parts, manufacturers' equipment and parts would also be more expensive because you're seeing that sales tax increase. So while you have an elimination over time of the income tax, that money has to be made up. So it's, it it may not get through this session, but you never say never because you never know what is going to happen with a bill. You know, there's, uh, you know, that's, that's such a good point that uh, Desiree makes. And, and, you know, I think it's something they have to study really well. There is growth in some states that have had 
elimination of uh, the income tax. I lived in Florida and in Texas during my long life, and Florida has no state income tax. Uh, but Florida also has a huge tourist tax, and they have a lot, you know, and there are 20 million people there. But, uh, Texas has over 20 million people. So, you know, we're really talking about, uh, you know, apples and oranges to some extent. Texas has other parts of their economy. And by the way, my property taxes in Texas were higher than any property tax in any state I've ever lived in. So states will tell you they're eliminating your taxes, but they're going to put them on you somewhere else. And the proposal here is on uh, the, the uh, sales tax. And the governor um, is a proponent of eliminating the income tax, but he is not crazy about this bill because, as you said, even though you eliminate one tax, you're going to increase another. And that shuffling, he's not, he has said, um, he's not keen on supporting. I guess that when, when states have transitioned from no income tax, has there been seen a lot of extra spending from the people that would have paid that tax? Does that go into the economy? Or, I don't know, it, it's, it's a one-time thing, so it just kind of evaporates. And, you know, um, the, the, I'm sorry, Ms. No, I'm, I was just going to say that's probably something that you would have to do a little research to find out. Of course, it would put more money in people's pockets in the immediate, but uh, d determining what you're going to buy, because one thing um, the House Speaker said is you can decide what you want to buy and what you're willing to buy at that sales tax price, but there are some items that are necessities, and those items you're going to have to pay more for. So it would seem that low-income people would bear the brunt because their needs uh, for necessities as everyone else's would be, you know, they need what they need, but that sales tax is going to be more for them to purchase those goods. Let's go to our call and talk to Frank N. Jackson. Frank, thank you so much for calling in, too, in legal terms today. What's your comment or question? Well, I was calling exactly what you all just finished talking about. I was calling about Bill 1439, and let me chime in quickly. I am a farmer, and I am a citizen here in the state of Mississippi, and I most certainly voice my opinion against this particular bill because uh, we don't want to bear the brunt of that. And as farmers, we're at a medium where we're making less, and adding on another 2.5% tax will truly impact our operation. So you guys answered my question. Thank you, and that's my opinion. Thank you, Frank. We appreciate you calling in. And it is interesting what Desiree had mentioned was that Agricultural Commissioner Andy Gibson was against Republican Governor Tate Reeves's, uh, and you know, or what he initially wanted the income tax to go down, but then Republican Delbert Hoseman was pushing for the increase in the sales tax, three different Republicans with the three different ideas. Uh, I think a lot of times we see the Republican Party or maybe our Mississippi legislators as one monolith, but they all have different ideas. And, you know, really, when you think about taxes, taxes are really just uh, shared cost, and, and they're going to come from somewhere. Uh, and so, you know, if you repeal one tax, you're going to increase other ones. I mean, I, I, or you're just not going to have the services. And I think what people mostly want is good return on their dollar, whatever their tax dollar comes from, good education, good roads, 
and a legislature that is transparent and and re responsive to us. Desiree, I, I think, now Liz, I thought we had a caller that was going to talk about uh, marijuana. We do. Let's go to Tim in Louisiana. Tim, thank you so much for calling in to In Legal Terms today. What have you got for us? Well, I have a question about hemp farming and marijuana, and you've got, you've got um, um, medical marijuana now in Mississippi like we do here in Louisiana. And you have hemp farming in Louisiana and Mississippi. I'm wondering if, if you can grow your own medicine. Professor Gershon, uh, we did a show before our election in October, I believe. I'll get the date on that later, where we talked about the pros and the cons of the specific referendum. But, uh, Professor Gershon, uh, Desiree Frazier, do you have some information about what is actually going to be put into uh, production, what what's going forward with Mississippi? Can individuals grow their own uh, cannabis, or do you have to be a certified farmer? Well, all that stuff, I think, is still to be worked out. The Mississippi State Department of Health is going to handle administering the program. Um, and everything right now is kind of in limbo. Um, Initiative 65 is going before the state Supreme Court in April. Uh, the mayor of Madison is challenging the constitutionality of how the signatures were collected to put the referendum on the ballot. The health department is moving forward to put in place um, everything that it needs to manage the program. But we don't know what's going to happen in the state Supreme Court. So it hasn't gotten that far uh, to be able to answer those types of questions. There is an organization that just started, and I don't recall the name, that um, is going to be working with growers. They're kind of an advocacy group. Um, that has started up, but I don't have that information with me to give it to them. We can find that out later and put that on the information for this podcast. Our podcast will usually up later the day the show airs on mpbonline.org, and our, our podcast is on our website, In Legal Terms dot mpbonline.org and we'll get a little bit more information for you tim thanks for calling in some of the bills that and 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 some of the issues that our representatives and the governor had run on was talking about teacher pay raise do you th what have you seen from the legislature is that going to happen this year desiree I think at the outset of the session, it was pretty much a given that uh, teachers would see a pay raise, especially after last year, because the legislature had passed it but had to pull it back with the coronavirus, coronavirus pandemic. Um, but that bill on the House side, the House passed a teacher pay bill. The Senate passed a teacher pay bill giving them raises. However, when the income tax bill came out, the teacher pay raise was rolled into that income tax bill on the House side. So the Senate, and so the House let the Senate bill, and I hope I'm not confusing people, 
but the House, when it rolled that income tax, when it rolled the teacher pay bill into the income tax bill, it let the Senate teacher pay bill die. So on the Senate side, they took the House bill that had passed and put the teacher pay bill back in play so that it would keep it alive. So at this point, we don't know for sure, but the bill is still alive. That bill would give teachers and teachers assistants a $1,000 raise. Newer teachers would receive $1,100. Um, the starting pay for a teacher is $3,700, I'm sorry, $37,000 and $15,000 for an assistant teacher. It, it, it doesn't really, it doesn't really, it doesn't really, I'm sorry. When would that, um, when would that uh, pay raise go into effect? Would it have to, if they passed it in this legislative session, would it have to be, would it be for this coming year uh, in the start of the teacher year or would it be for the following year? You know, um, I am not sure, but usually in most cases, um, bills take effect July 1. Um, of the new fiscal year, but I, I can't say for sure, so don't hold me to that. No, absolutely. Thank you. All of this is a what if show anyway. We, we, what if the legislature passes this or that? Email us your questions. We'll get back to you either during the show or later. Our address is legalterms at mpbonline.org. We're talking with Desiree Frazier about what's going on at the Capitol in Jackson. Where can you find more legislative reporting by Desiree Frazier? I'm going to tell you next. You're listening to In Legal Terms on MPB Think Radio. This is Larry Morrissey with the Mississippi Arts Commission. I'm one of the hosts of the Mississippi Arts Hour, the arts interview show on Think Radio. We talk with visual artists, musicians, writers, as well as people who help bring the arts to their communities. We hear about how each artist learned their craft and get some insight into their creative process. You can hear the Arts Hour every Sunday at 5 p.m. on Think Radio or listen anytime by subscribing to the show through your favorite podcasting app. Listening to In Legal Terms on MPB Think Radio. Professor Richard Gershon is our expert host. I'm Liz Gill. We hope you subscribe to our podcast. Lots of different podcasting platforms out there Stitcher, Spotify. I happen to like Podcast Addict. I download it to my phone. I can touch the plus, and that takes me to the page to search for all the millions of different. I 
guess there's millions, millions of different podcasts. I type in in legal terms in the search area. It brings up in legal terms. I'm able to touch the photo to subscribe. And then I'm notified when any new episodes are loaded up. This morning, we're talking about laws in the Mississippi legislature with our guest, Desiree Frazier from MPB News. If you want to read past or future pieces written by Desiree, just go to mpbonline.org slash news, or you can look on the MPB public media app. We've got a call. It's Raul from Vicksburg. Raul, what's your comment or question about our uh, legislative issues today? I, I want to make a couple of comments about the proposed uh, bill, uh, I, I guess, to remove the state income tax and replace it with higher sales tax on certain items like cars and so forth. Uh, my comment is this. As it is, when you, when you want to compare with Texas or Florida or some other states, we have a smaller population. We are a much, let us admit it, we are a poorer state. You know, I have lived in uh, Mississippi for a long time. And so the only, one of the few uh, income producing things is our state income tax, which is, in my opinion, fairly liberal compared with some other states. Uh, we need a strong industrial and commercial base. We need to attract industry in the world. But it seems to me the sales tax is what most poor people will pay. The majority of people have to pay the 7% sales tax. Mm -hmm. And uh, we don't, as it is, we don't eliminate groceries, for example, from sales tax, whereas some other states do. So anytime you want to remove the income tax, which is a large income producing, it's mainly, you know, uh, it's mainly on the middle-income uh, people and the higher-income people that that income tax comes from. And on the other hand, we want to replace it. As it is, we need more income, not less income. And we want to replace it with taxes on those things like cars and other things that are the poorer sector has to pay. It does not seem to me very a good idea, because as it is typically our Republican friends, they always want to replace taxes and give it away to industry. I don't think industry will come just because we give them some perks. They're interested in our, uh, you know, what kind of a people we have, human resources, and what kind of a resources and infrastructure we have, which we don't have that much. So those are the items we need to concentrate on rather than trying to compete with other states in trying to bring industry. This is my opinion. So I think we should let things be the way they are and look for other sources of income rather than, you know, cutting down what we have already. I will let, let, let go at this point. I would like to hear your comments. Bye. Raul, we appreciate you calling in with, with your opinion. Uh, Professor Gershon, you're a, a tax guy. Do you have any comments? Comment because really, the we talk about uh, progressive taxes and regressive taxes, and, and the income tax is progressive in that the more income you make, the higher basic percentage you pay of the dollars at a certain level. But the sales tax is not that way. So someone who has a $20,000 income and has to spend all of that uh, on necessities uh, will have to pay sales tax on everything they spend. 
uh, someone who's who's wealthier can save money and not have to spend it and and can be have more discretion about what they spend on and they will pay a smaller percentage of their income in sales tax than the the, the person who's at the lower uh, level and that's why it's called a regressive tax so um, it you know I think uh, maybe we should go ahead and, and allow medical marijuana and maybe even my own two cents uh, recreational marijuana to come in and, and tax that uh, and that would be a way to raise revenue um, uh, but that's just a, a different thought one thing I, I um, want to mention regarding medical marijuana, there was a bill introduced on the Senate side called the Mississippi Medical Cannabis Act. Um, that bill passed the Senate and it, it received criticism um, because it had a tax, I believe a 7% tax on the sale of the products and some other um, items in there. It was felt that 74% of Mississippians voted to pass Initiative 65 and to come up with an alternate bill um, was problematic. But it did pass the Senate. It was sent to the House. The House removed the Senate language and put the Initiative 65 language in that bill. So for all intents and purposes, the bill now has Initiative 65 languages in it while um, Initiative 65 is going before the state Supreme Court. Well, that makes sense. You're, you're right. And thank you for pointing that out, because the people of Mississippi did vote to amend the Constitution to add that as well. So, uh, um, And so uh, I was kind of surprised the legislature wanted to amend what the uh, will of the people was. Well, that did generate some controversy for sure. And Liz, I think we, do we have a call? Uh, no, no we, we, we don't I, have a call, but we'd love some. Our phone number is 1-877-672-7464, or the easy way to remember it is 1-877-MPB-RING. And I read your, we have no calls to we have a call. So that was, uh, that was on me. Uh, Desiree, what, what other uh, bills do you want to talk about? Um, that, that uh, you've uh, done research on and, and you think would be of interest to the listeners? Well, one um, bill that you did ask me about previously was the nurse practitioner's bill. Um, that's House Bill 1303, but that bill died in the Senate committee. The chair of the Public Health and Welfare um, Committee, Senator Hob Ryan of Amory, said it needs more study. What it would have done is allowed nurse practitioners to have more autonomy in providing health care, um, especially because Mississippi is a rural state and there's um, a, a need for doctors, a, as we know. Um, right now, they are under the supervision of a doctor who has to audit a portion of their cases, and there is a fee, a contractual agreement involved in that. The Mississippi Medical Association opposed the bill, arguing that nurse practitioners cannot provide physician-level care and it doesn't guarantee quality care. But that uh, issue died, that bill died, but that's an ongoing issue that comes up because of the need for health care access in the state. 
There is the Mississippi Fairness Act. That's one that I made a note of. And that would prevent transgender athletes in public schools, colleges, and universities from competing on girls' teams, sports teams. That is an example of a bill that we're hearing is being shopped um, at state legislatures across the country um, to pass a bill that will do this. Um, the governor said that he would sign it. Uh, it is controversial. The Human Rights Campaign the Advocacy Group for the LGBTQ community says the bill is in search of a problem. It's not an issue in Mississippi. And they argue that it's right-wing extremist groups pushing the legislation out to states to pass it. Well, we but do. But it looks have, like it will pass. We do have a call about that from Starkville. It's uh, is it Jonathan? Thanks for calling in on to in legal terms today. Go ahead. Yes, ma'am. Uh, y'all pretty much uh, already sort of touched on this. I was really just uh, calling to ask your esteemed guests here about their opinions on what uh, Ms. Frazier was just talking about. Was uh, this uh, sort of creating a solution to a problem that doesn't exist uh, in the state of Mississippi, especially in light of the fact that the state legislature recently, um, you know, removed the uh, incendiary, I guess most people would say, uh, and uh, oppressive emblemism and symbolism of the old state flag um, in a more progressive way to a, uh, a flag that now represents, I think, what uh, most people in Mississippi would believe is more uh, more apt uh, for the state in the 21st century. Um, but I guess my question for your host was, and I guess Desiree touched on this a little bit, is is, is this you know uh, sort of squashing of um, transgender athletes in high school being able to play? One, is it necessary in y'all's opinion? Two, is it really a prudent time? when we have so many other pressing legislative issues to be considering, that we're considering this sort of non-starter issue. And three, what does this do for the seemingly progressive steps that the legislature and the state of Mississippi and the populace as a whole, in terms of medical marijuana advancement, uh, the removal of the old incendiary sort of Confederate battle flag, uh, you know, is this a step backward? And should this be something that uh, should be fought by the ACLU and other progressive uh, rights organizations? Well, well critics. Go ahead. Okay. Please, Desiree. Please. Well, critics would say that it is a step back. The Human Rights Campaign has said that it makes the state less welcoming, not more welcoming. Um, and it's. Uh, similar to the bill that came out seven years ago, which is law, um, that certain businesses can deny uh, services to same-sex couples or same-sex marriage couples. Um, so it's in that vein. Um, yes, the state has made some progressive steps, and that's why, yes, it is a concern that these type of bills um, do detract from where some people want to see Mississippi go, which is to be a more progressive state. But we also do have a Republican supermajority in the legislature um, who are conservative. And this is a bill that has gained traction around the country among Republican-led um, legislatures. 
And, you know, I, I, I agree with this caller because I think, first of all, we have a lot more pressing issues in the state. This is not something that even seems to come up, and it seems like it could be dealt on a case-by-case basis. But, you know, um, we're really talking about a, a, a bill that's going to be considered overbroad and probably held to be unconstitutional because there are people who are born intersexed, for example, uh, and, and, you know, and that um, does happen. But for me, what really bothers me about this is this would not have, for example, prevented someone like Larry Nasser, who was the doctor for the, the gymnasts, the real problem where we have uh, cis males in uh, working with uh, young women as coaches and as, as uh, doctors and trainers where there's sexual abuse happening for real. And, uh, and he was a man of great faith. Uh, and that did not keep him from doing that. So I find that I actually find this uh, to be uh, outrageous, in my opinion. We are taking your questions at our email address, legalterms at mpbonline.org. Leela, Bob, and Dana, hang on. You're going to close out the show with us on our last segment. Desiree Frazier from MPB News is our expert guest today. What's coming up on MPB News? I'm going to tell you next. This is In Legal Terms on MPB Think Radio. This podcast is a local production of Mississippi Public Broadcasting and depends on the support of listeners like you. If you can, please donate today at mpbonline.org. And thanks. You're listening to In Legal Terms on MPB Think Radio. Professor Richard Gershon is our expert host, and if you have missed any of our program, don't forget you can listen to our podcast on the MPB Public Media app or find our webpage, inlegalterms.mpbonline.org. At 11 a.m. Central, Tuesdays, following our live show, you can hear Southern Remedy, Relatively Speaking, with Dr. Susan Buttress on MPB Think Radio, and Thursday. Day after tomorrow, Thursday the eleventh, <laughs> you at eight thirty a.m. and at six thirty p.m. MPB Think Radio will broadcast the MPB News Program, a year like no other. COVID nineteen in the Gulf states. Part of that reporting is done by Desiree Fraser, who is our guest. MPB News reporter Desiree Fraser. We have a. We're going to go to the phones. We have a comment from Leela from Long Beach. Leela, what's your comment or question for our experts today? Hi. Um, I am retired, and I'm backing up to your uh, discussion of the state tax elimination. 
uh, I'm sorry, the, uh, yeah. So sales tax to me is a problem if you raise it because as a retired person, I don't really pay much state tax, whereas I pay sales tax on everything I buy. Am I confused? Is this something I should be concerned about because this will raise the amount of tax that I pay on the um, Lieutenant Governor Delbert Holzman has said that he has gotten calls from retirees who are uh, addressing the same issue that you're raising. Okay. Well, um, I just wanted to point that out because it hadn't come up and I think it is a concern for those of us who are retired on a fixed income. So, thank you. Mm -hmm. Well, and Leela, we want to make sure that you know one of the, the website I gave out earlier, legislature.ms.gov, that's where you can find out who represents you. And if you want to call or if you want to email the person who represents you or the, uh, the leaders of our state, that's they're our representatives. They are supposed to be working for us. And if you want your opinion heard, then by golly, use the phone or use an email to make sure they know what you are thinking. Sure. I did email um, uh, Lieutenant Governor, I mean, uh, Mr. Hoseman. And um, I, my question at that time was the concern about the increase on gasoline tax because I drive a hybrid. And because I drive a hybrid, I'm paying $75 extra every year in tax, which doesn't make sense since the past year nobody's gone anywhere, <laughs> basically. <laughs> we were quarantined. So I did express my concern there, so I will continue to do that. And thank you so much. Well, thank you for being an active citizen. We do thank you. And, and, and thanks for that comment about the hybrids. I've never understood why hybrids pay more in road taxes uh, than people who use more gas. But Desiree, you had some uh, uh, bills you wanted to get to, and, and one yeah, was- Yeah, in our closing moments, um, there is a Jackson infrastructure bill that was just introduced yesterday by Democratic Representative Chris Bell of Jackson. It's House Bill 1496. It would allow the city of Jackson to issue bonds for meeting the infrastructure needs to improve their drinking water, the sewer and stormwater system, just the, the entire infrastructure, do what they need to do um, to build new facilities to address this crisis that they're dealing with. It would also uh, call for residents to vote on a sales tax to pay for the bonds. Um, it's been referred to the House Local and Private Committee. There is a deadline for certain bills um, tomorrow, um, general bills, that have um, originated in the other chamber, they have to come out of committee tomorrow um, or they're going to die. But the local and private is on a different schedule, so tomorrow's deadline does not apply. Also, the Medicaid technical bill, which has to be renewed every three years, that is the bill that administers the program that determines how it's going to be managed. They have included a, a uh, element that would allow women to receive 12 months of postpartum care 
And that would be of great concern to women because up until this point, after you have the baby, they come off. And so this would help them um, with 12 months of postpartum care, and that is in the Medicaid technical bill. Um, there is also some criminal justice bills that are doing some interesting things. There's one that would provide workforce training and rehabilitation. Um, there's another one that would provide a facility for inmates who are infirmed, paroled, or inmates who are frail and are unable to be cared for under other circumstances. And there are some others, but I just wanted to get those items in. Thank you for that. And do you think that there's any chance that there'll be Medicaid expansion uh, at any time soon? Well, you know what, um, and you probably know about this, um, faith-based leaders have come together um, and written a letter, and more than 300 of them in, submitted it to the governor, lieutenant governor, house speaker, all of the legislature, calling on them to expand Medicaid. And they talk about the dire need that the state has. Um, working poor who are working and do not have health care coverage. And in the midst of the pandemic, they consider it a moral failing not to um, address this issue. So that has kept the issue alive because every Medicaid expansion bill has died in the legislature. Desiree, we are so grateful that you have lent your uh, professional gravitas to us and joined us on In Legal Terms to tell us about your world at the legislature. Thank you very much for your time. Oh, absolutely. It was a pleasure. And I'm sorry we don't have more time, but thank you for the opportunity. That's our chorus every week, isn't it, Professor Gershon? We're gonna, it is. We're going to wrap up today's In Legal Terms. Our call screener today has been Java Chapman. Our board engineer in Jackson is Jay White. For Professor Richard Gershon, who hosts from the University of Mississippi School of Law, ish during this pandemic. I'm Liz Gill, but we hope you join us next Tuesday live at 10 a.m. for In Legal Terms on MPB Think Radio. This is an MPB Think Radio podcast.